welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God. This two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I am your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Thank you to our generous underwriters here on Sharper Iron, the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. And Luther Classical College, a college for Lutherans by Lutherans, opening in fall 2025. Learn more at lutherclassical.org. On this Tuesday, August 9th, we are studying Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 1 to 24. Having laid out the necessary history before the people of Israel are about to enter the promised land, Moses makes a turn in his first sermon. He urges the people to keep the covenant that the Lord is giving to them. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's word today, we have with us returning guest, Pastor Doug Gribbenau. Pastor Gribbenau serves as mission advocate for KFUO Radio in St. Louis, Missouri. Pastor Gribbenau, welcome back to Sharper Iron. Well, thank you, brother. It is it is truly my pleasure to be with you again. So as we get started today, let's talk a little bit of a context. As, as we start Deuteronomy 4 today, it does seem that there's a, a turning point within Moses' sermon. What, what has he been saying so far? What context from Deuteronomy should we know as we prepare to jump into chapter 4 today? Well, this is a matter of... So perhaps we might say a, a sort of a goodbye address, a, a eulogy. I think, actually, as I was reading through this, I was reminded of, of my dad sitting me down before I went off to college. Here's all the things I wanted to teach you, and I hope that I have taught you as you are, are going to go out, out of the nest and no longer with me there to guide you. And so it's, it's a farewell address, and, and it's bittersweet. Um, but it's it's full of that fatherly love uh, that, that Moses has shown for for the people of Israel um, that is really actually a reflection of the fatherly love that God has for us. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, that the way we see Moses' love for his people come through is a reflection of God's love for his people. That I mean, we it, it is a goodbye, a farewell address from Moses. And you see that very human emotion on his part. And yet at the same time, we know that this is the word of the Lord being spoken through Moses. And that same love of God the Father is for his people Israel. This isn't only what Moses wants for his brothers going forward, but it is what the Lord himself wants for his children as they go into the promised land. Well, amen. And especially because we, we've, we've seen that, that God has taken Moses and shown him this land. And, and one, of, one of Moses' admonitions here is, is for man not to add or subtract from these, these teachings, this Torah from God. And so he makes that very clear in this address. Yeah, yeah. And, and there is, so as we've been going through the book of Deuteronomy thus far, we've talked a lot about the history that's gotten them to that point. In chapter one, Moses hit rewind on the VCR and went all the way back 40 years to when they left Sinai. And he's described both the people's unfaithfulness to the Lord at various moments, as well as the Lord's faithfulness to his people and to his promises throughout those whole 40 years. Most recently, as, as you brought out, we've, we've heard the repeated command to Moses, you're not going to get to go into the promised land. You're going to get to see it. 
Joshua is going to be the one to lead them in. He's talked about the division of the land on the east side of the Jordan River, the victories they've already experienced in anticipation of what is to come. And it seems what happens in, in chapter four then is Moses is taking all that history, maybe the, the part of your dad's speech, you're like, okay, dad, what's the point of all this? Now Moses is going to say, here's the point. Here's what I want you to get from all of that history I've just gotten done describing to you. And you know, I, I think this happens in our churches more often than we perhaps realize. Uh, every time a, a pastor takes another call somewhere or, or, or possibly just retires uh, after years and years of faithful service, there is that, that final sermon, that final address of, of the laws, the statutes, the command, the love of God ha, you know, that I have been called by God to teach you. And I pray that, that, it, that it stays with you, that you preserve that. Um, moving forward with this new shepherd, or in this case with Moses, with with Joshua, as he yeah. will continue to do this this ministry uh, with mm. you under under the the care of our Father. Yeah, yeah, and I again I appreciate the way that you're you're phrasing this that this is about Moses communicating to the people of Israel. God's love for them and His care for them. We're going to encounter a lot of words today, like commandments statutes, words that that we, and, and rightly so, we associate with the law that is the commands of God, the do's and the don'ts. Sometimes, you know, when we're talking about law and gospel and that distinction, we may think of those things as, well, the law is bad, the gospel is good. That's that's not what's going on here. This is, this is Moses giving the people of Israel the full picture of who God is, that all of the things that he's spoken to them, that he's given to them, come from his fatherly love and kind of I, I, the way that I would, I think about chapter four is, is someone like this. It's Moses saying, look at all that God has done for you. Why would you want anyone else as your God? Why would you want to listen to the words and the, again, the commands and the statutes of anyone else? He's the only one who actually loves you. Hold tight to him. Amen. Well, let's take a look at the text. We're in Deuteronomy chapter four, beginning at verse one. Moses continues his sermon. And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you, and do them that you may live, and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at ba Baal Peor, for the Lord your God destroyed from among you all the men who followed the Baal of Peor. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are all alive today. See, I have taught you statutes and rules, as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, unless they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. How on the day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, the Lord said to me, Gather the people to me, that I may let them hear my words, so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth, and that they may teach their children so. 
And you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain, while the mountain burned with fire to the heart of heaven, wrapped in darkness, cloud, and gloom. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but saw no form. There was only a voice. And he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, that is, the Ten Commandments. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone. And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and rules, that you might do them in the land that you are going over to possess. Therefore, watch yourselves very carefully, since you saw no form on the day that the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of the fire. Beware, lest you act corruptly by making a carved image for yourselves in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any animal that is on the earth, the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the air, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground, the likeness of any fish that is in the water under the earth. And beware lest you raise your eyes to heaven. And when you see the sun and the moon and the stars, all the hosts of heaven, you be drawn away and bow down to them and serve them, things that the Lord your God has allotted to all the peoples under the whole heaven. But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt, to be a people of his own inheritance as you are this day. Furthermore, the Lord was angry with me because of you, and he swore that I should not cross the Jordan and that I should not enter the good land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance. For I must die in this land. I must not go over the Jordan, but you shall go over and take possession of that good land. Take care, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make a carved image, the form of anything that the Lord your God has forbidden you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. That is our text for today. That's Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 1 to 24. Now, Pastor Gribbenau, is the text we've got today begins, And now, O Israel, there's a signal there for the transition within the sermon. And the, the first thing Moses says is listen. Uh, so important. What, a, what an important word for Christian. Listen to the statutes and rules that I'm giving to you. Well, and you know there is the, the Shema Israel, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Listening is, is so fundamental to our life. And really, it is fundamental to, well, to any life of any person. I, I think how often I say to my, to my six-year-old, now listen to me. <laughs> uh, but it's, the way that our Lord comes to us is, is through his word. See, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ, which is to say by the whole of God's testimony, Old Testament, New Testament. And it is that, that speaking that really defines our reality. I mean, we listen because creation is listening to God's continuous speaking. And he spoke the whole of the world into being and now continues to sustain it with his ongoing speech and creating time and space and you and me and guiding our lives, but then giving us the special revelation that is our salvation in his son, Christ Jesus, the revelation we hear in his word. And it is this special revelation wherein our life is found that Moses is proclaiming. And so it is wise for us to listen as opposed to being distracted by, by the things of this created world. Yeah. I mean, and, and as you said, it, this speaking of God, this word of God defines reality. And if, if that is the case, then I, man, I think that really does then lay out the rest of everything that Moses says. If, if this is 
how vital the word of God is, not just to, to you, Israel, and, and you as an individual listening to Moses, but to all of creation, then, then what else is there to do than to listen to this word? And all that, that is there entailed, you know, this, this word, listen to the statutes, is, is not just to hear a noise or something like that, but it is to, to internalize, to, to truly, you know, to, to, again, listen, <laughs> like it's, it's more than hearing, I guess is what I'm saying. It's yeah, actually we, to we listen say, and to take it in. Uh, yeah. Take to heart, right. Put, put it within yourself, make it, you know, well, and I don't want to actually sound as if this is something we do. Uh, right. Perhaps the better way to say that is, you know, unstop your ears, let them be open that the word of God may take its root in our hearts and transform us. Mm, uh, it's not yeah. our doing to pull this into our hearts, but it's our, if you want to say it's our doing, it's our doing to get out of the way and let God's word have his way with us. Right. I mean, the, the word of God is that which opens the ears. So the, the word, the ears would be stopped in sin and yet the word of God opens them to hear it. This, this is all the Lord's doing this, this matter of listening and it happens through the word as it's being preached. That's the, the wonder of what's going on, even within the sermon that, that Moses is preaching. Now, for the people of Israel, then, to listen, in this case, means to do these things, to, to actually take them to heart, and and especially do the things that are coming in the book of Deuteronomy, as, as we've been reading through the book of Deuteronomy. So far, it has primarily been a, a history lesson. What is coming in the, the second sermon of Moses, which is by far the longest here in this book, is really these are these are the statutes. This is what it's going to look like when you live in the land that I'm giving to you. This is what the Lord's saying. And again, what do you do with that? You listen, and and inherent in that listening then is the the receiving in faith, which entails the the doing. I mean, there's very much I think uh, James echoes this language where he says, you know, don't just be a, a hearer of the word, be a doer of the word. This is this is what Moses has in mind too. I think, and it's all there in that word listen. Amen. And it, it's really bookended in this, it, the whole sermon almost is outlined in this first verse. Listen and live. Mm, <laughs> I mean, that yeah. is, that's, that's a, the, the gospel in the nutshell there. You know, yeah. Listen, listen and live for this is this, by this word that the Lord is speaking, this is defining your reality. Now, again, with that centrality of God's word, verse two makes perfect sense. If it is God's word that defines reality, then you don't mess with it. Don't add to it. Don't subtract from it. Amen. You know, it's it's this uh, this word for this these commandments uh, is in is the word that God uses in His promises of of the Decalogue when when He says, as our school kids might out there remember, you know, what does God say about all these commandments? Right, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Right, punishing those for the sins of the father up to the Oh, I forget now. <laughs> it's been a little while since my commandment or my uh, catechism days, right? What is right. it? Punishing, punishing the, the children, children for the, for the third and fourth fathers. generations. That's right. Yeah. Third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. That's the mm. same word that God is using here. So this this commandment is is not this sort of uh, terrible draconian yoke, but the God's word is a liberating word. You know, we confess that we were slaves to sin 
that we could do nothing else than to do what our, our the passions of our body wanted to do, that we were entirely at odds with creation, with each other, with ourselves, with God. But it is his word, his commandment, that is liberating. Even though the old Adam says, law, do, don't, and, and, and revolts against it, the this is really that third use of the law, that God's commandments are actually the freedom we have to no longer be slaves to sin, but mm. free to free to love and free to care for each other and free to, well, free to live because that's what it is. Listen and live. Mm. You know, I, I think part, you see... Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was just saying, I think you see that, that nature of of the freedom that is inherent in God's commandments. And I don't want to jump too far. We'll get there. But just in the way that Moses says that the nations are going to react when they hear these commandments and they see the people live according to these commandments, the nations are going to realize, ah, look, here is a nation that has true wisdom and understanding. And of course, it's not their own, but it comes from these commandments that God is giving them. I think that that, that I love the way that that text or this text describes the reaction of others to the Lord's commandments. Sometimes I don't know that you always see that in the world, but but it, man, what a what a powerful reminder as precisely what you're saying that God's commandments are not meant to bind us, but in actuality to free us from from slavery to sin. Yeah, this is this is something very different than you would find anywhere else searching in all of creation. And that's a really good reminder again later when we talk about, you know, idolatry, but Creation is but a mere reflection of God. It, it, it gives a testimony that there is a God, but it is God's word, his special revelation, as opposed to natural revelation, that shows us who this God truly is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. And so again, talking about that word, which <clears throat> does teach us who God is, and the, the word that God commands not to be added to nor taken from. I, I think it's important that Moses mentions both because the, the temptation to do both is is always there. I think you you know the, the temptation to add to God's word, I, I think that's seen perhaps in the folks like the Pharisees or or legalists who want to say, well, God said this, we're going to do even more than that and and be even holier by what we're adding. That. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Right. Or or then of course the, the opposite temptation is, and I, I think you see this in if we can use the word licentiousness or those who, who want to get rid of the law entirely. Well, I don't really like what that says, so I'm just going to ignore that commandment and do what I want. It, both temptations are always present. Amen. And, and, and even we see abuse of it in you know, the idea of cheap grace. You know, Well, I can do this because God will forgive me later on. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, and we walk forth in the foolishness of, of little children. Being a father has opened my eyes into... <laughs> into my own uh, sinfulness because I finally get to be on the other end of the spectrum <laughs> the way God <laughs> looks at me every day. <laughs> now, as, as Moses continues here, I'm, I've been mentioning, you know, we've got a lot of history. He doesn't leave history out of the picture in this part of the sermon either. He reminds the people listening of what the Lord did at Baal Peor, how those who followed the Baal were destroyed, but you who held fast to the Lord your God, you are still alive. You see, and again, to think about the difference between you know, our, our sinful nature often thinks of God's commandments as binding rather than that being the way of true freedom that God would put us, he puts us into that. Here, I think, is a perfect example of that. Idolatry led to death. The worship of the true God, that led to life. Amen. And we 
don't if we don't pay attention to the history, we don't understand how radically terrible what was happening with Baal Peor. Uh, Baal was a, a fertility god, and so this is quite literally the men of Israel engaging in in fornication outside of outside of their their union with their spouses, with temple priestesses, with this idea that that the Baal, this fertility god, would renew the fields of the earth, that, that you could manipulate and cajole creation into doing what you wanted by, by reveling in depravity. Uh, it, it, it makes no, no logical sense when you look at it that way, uh, but it is that entire enslavement uh, to our passions, to, to the desires of the body, that we almost sort of try to justify our, our wickedness. Well, and I, I think, you know, it's, it's striking that Moses makes use of the language of marriage there in verse 4. You, know, you who held fast to the Lord your God, that's the, the same language that the Lord uses to describe what happens with the husband and wife in, in Genesis chapter 2, the holding fast that happens between husband and wife. And the two become and, and, one. That's right. <laughs> Well, and so, I mean, how often in the scriptures, and, and in particular in the Old Testament, is this the language used where where physical adultery and spiritual adultery, sometimes it's it's hard to see where the where the line is drawn. They they both often go together. And I, I think, you know, what happens here with Baal Peor is a perfect example of that, that there was physical adultery happening, but even more so there was spiritual adultery happening. And again, Moses holds up, stay true to the Lord your God. That's where true blessing lies. Amen. And, and in fact, it is the spiritual adultery that gives, that gives root to that, that physical yeah. adultery later on. It always begins in, uh, in, in the, the, that wickedness, the intentions of the heart. Uh, for out of the heart comes all the sorts of evil things uh, that man can, can design. Right. So then from there, with that historical reality in mind as a, as a reminder, as a lesson for the people, Moses again draws attention to what he's teaching them, the statutes, the rules that come from the Lord. And, and here we get to that. We were talking a little bit about this previously. He, Moses says, keep them, do them. Why? Because that's your wisdom, that's your understanding, and in the sight of the peoples. So as the people of Israel listen to the word of the Lord, this defining reality, and as they keep that word of the Lord, that's going to show forth something to other nations. Uh, take us into to these verses. Certainly, you know, we, we come back to you know, statutes and rules. And one of the, the fallacies that I think we often have is that we think of language as being one-to-one, as if you can literally type into Google some sort of phrase in English and hit enter and it will perfectly easily computerized matched to another language because they just have one word for the same thing that we have a word for. And this is why biblical translation is, is such a, a delicate task and it takes years of study as well as understanding that, that there is a different way of thinking in one language versus another because the statutes and rules is almost akin to law and gospel in this sense that the statutes really are, are the sort of laws, the do's, the do nots. But this, this rules word uh, is really more akin to judgments or declarations, uh, sort of a judge's ruling. So just as we are, are justified by God speaking, that's, that's the same kind of use of his rules, a declaration that makes something to be. 
And so his statutes and his rules is this declaration. You will be my people. I will be your God. I am giving you this land. You will take possession of it. Uh, and so again, you know, these rules and these statutes, it's not just a do or do not, but it is also a declaration of you being a beloved child of God. You are his, he is yours, and what he gives you is yours. It's his, mm. it is yours. This, oh, and, and so hold fast to it. It's this, also this idea of, of preservation, of preserving what has been given to you in this, this sort of faithful relationship. Right, so these these so keep them and do them because that will be your your wisdom and your understanding right and so this this keep and do phrase uh, is used over and over in uh, in scripture and it's really it's that it's this word and promise right to to keep it and to retain it and that is the the statutes and the rules the law and the gospel this promise of God, and specifically this really is going all the way back to that first gospel in Genesis 3, verse 15, hmm. the promise of the Savior. And, and we sing this in, in our divine service uh, when, we, when we sing uh, the Nunc Dimittis, you know, that, hmm. that this possession that has been given to you, not just the physical land, but this word of promise is going to be for a light of revelation to the Gentiles, to everyone else in the whole of creation, and for the glory of God's people, Israel, those who have been called to faith. So this is a much longer view uh, than merely a, a tract of land. Uh, this, the possession that they've been given to, to keep and to do, to preserve, uh, this comes back to the promise that, that they are bearing and carrying that from them will come the Messiah who redeems all of creation. Yeah, what a, what, a, what a glorious promise that we're seeing here in Deuteronomy chapter 4 as Moses continues to preach to the people about to enter into the promised land. We're going to keep looking at this text on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sharper Iron here on KFUO. We're talking about Deuteronomy chapter 4 with Pastor Doug Gribbenoff. We'll be right back. Please stick around. Did you know that Lutherans are helping new American immigrants get settled? How about struggling church workers in need of support and refreshment? And we assist at-risk children and provide disaster response to hurricane victims. Through LCMS recognized service organizations, we are doing all this and more. I'm Rahema Kavuga of Lutheran Church Extension Fund, and I don't want you to miss out on hearing what your brothers and sisters in Christ are up to. Visit interesttime.org to see how your support gives life to these works of mercy and love. What do you think of when you hear the word college? Expensive? Liberal? Woke? Imagine a college that is affordable. A college that is unapologetically conservative and Lutheran. A college that won't take a dime of federal funding. A college that teaches the best of our Western heritage. A college where students grow in the Christian faith instead of leaving it behind. This is Luther Classical College. A college by Lutherans and for Lutherans. Visit our website, lutherclassical.org. Subscribe, become a patron, and join the thousands who are making Luther Classical College a reality. 
back to Sharper Iron. It is Tuesday, August 9th. We're studying Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 1 to 24 with Pastor Doug Gribbenaugh. He serves as a mission advocate for KFUO Radio in St. Louis, Missouri. Pastor Gribbenaugh, prior to the break, we were looking at Moses' words, speaking about the statutes and the rules, both law and the gospel. Keep them and do them. This is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples. He said, looking forward even to the mission to the Gentiles that we hear about, we still sing about. We have heard as Gentiles of who this great God is. You see how what the Lord gives to the people of Israel is meant for the whole world. And I love what the what the people who see and hear Israel say, surely this is a great nation, a wise and understanding people. And then as, as Moses reflects on that, he reminds them that the fact that they are so great is not so much about who Israel is, but it's about the fact that the Lord is their God and who he is for them. How, I love verse seven of, of Deuteronomy chapter four. What great, great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? And indeed, this this phrase, this great nation, uh, it, it great in the sense of, that it is going to be numerous. I mean, it will be a populous nation, but but also great in its reputation, great in its carriage in the world uh, of 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 good repute amongst the people. And and what is it that 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 the world sees? They see the outward manifestation of what God is doing in us. And so by our, by our words and by our work, we do these things that, uh, that glory may be given to God. This idea of this wisdom and understanding, the exact same phrase is used of Solomon. And even today, we'd speak of the wisdom of Solomon uh, as, as supreme. And yet that is nothing compared to the wisdom uh, and understanding of, of the one who is wisdom and understanding itself, from whom all wisdom and understanding comes. So this, it is from God and this gift of God, and it sets the people of Israel apart from the rest of the world, so much so that even the world says, this is different. This is not like anything we've ever seen. And we see the same thing when the gospel is proclaimed, because every other religion in the world is a religion of works. You must do these things, and hopefully, whatever deity is up there will be pleased enough with them to uh, to possibly, you know, let you stick around. Whereas this is the deity, the God in the flesh, has done all the work for you, and then gives it to you. It is done. It is finished. And he and as he has always been giving to us. You know, you will be my people. I will be your God. You know, the work on on the cross, it is finished. And now every merit, every goodness, every righteousness is yours by the blood of Jesus. Hmm. All right. It doesn't, it doesn't say what, what great nation is there that keeps the rules perfectly like Israel does. I Amen. mean, that, that wouldn't even fit. <laughs> right. What, what great nation is there that has the God who's so near to us? I mean, you, you brought out Jesus, that he is Emmanuel, God who is with us. That's, that's what makes Israel great, is that God is right there in their midst. And what a, what a <clears throat> fantastic and what an important thing for the people to remember, particularly as they enter into the promised land, that their greatness is found in the fact that God is with them, near to them, 
giving his gifts, including this covenant that Moses is setting before them. And, and that's then where the, the warning begins to come in, Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 9. Take care, keep your soul diligently so you don't forget. The, the people of Israel often seem to have a short memory, didn't they? Well, it, nothing is nothing is different under the sun, as they say, <laughs> as we yeah, today right. have a very short memory as well. Uh, but, you know, that, that does bring back, I think, one of my favorite uh, scriptures that I, that I look to. You know, even if we are faithless, God remains faithful because he must be true to himself. And he is a God of love. And, and he desires not the death of the sinner, but that we should turn and repent and live. And so these words, these promises, this, 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 uh, this gift that God has given Israel to, to care for and to carry and to bear, it really is for our, for our souls, for our hearts, again, for our, for our lives. This is the way in which we live. Now, Moses, knowing the the danger of forgetfulness and the short memory, he he says, "Don't take care. Keep your soul diligently." And and one of the the antidotes he gives to forgetfulness is to is to do some teaching. Make the make these things known to your children, and your children's children. And you know, the, the, when I struggled with languages and and struggled things in seminary, you know, the best way to learn something is to teach it. And so he has given us this, this method by which, and really it, it's meant to be in the home uh, with, the, with the parents, especially with the father as the, as the head of the house to teach. <laughs> Not because, you know, your, your, your spouse and your kids are, are so uh, poor and bereft without you, but also because you need to, uh, need to be, um, be reminded as well. And brought in, yeah. I mean, certainly, I, I can think of the times when I've I've taught, and how much that has has meant for me in my own learning. Needing to explain it to someone has made me sharpen my own skills and and try to understand. Okay, how how do I best communicate this? What do I maybe not understand, so that I can under, understand it and give it then to my children and and perhaps one day my children's children right this this multi-generational thing and the importance of it having in the happening in the home it's not that i mean moses as the if we can call him the pastor of the people of israel certainly his role in speaking this sermon is important but but notice how he does encourage here this to happen with the fathers and their children that it's not <laughs> if i can use we say anachronistically moses doesn't say make sure you take your kids to confirmation class for the pastor to teach them moses says you make it known to your kids and we'll see this come up elsewhere in the book of deuteronomy but here we we see it already amen and then he walks us back to to this That's history right. lesson uh you know remember these things you know these things are written for our learning and our instruction these are written so that we may be preserved from and, and learn from the past, lest we, mm -hmm. lest we make the same mistakes over and over again. So as Moses does return to some history again, as you know, he says, make these things known to your children and your children's children, he goes back to their time at Horeb, the Mount, Mount Sinai. What, what does Moses want them to remember as, as he moves, looks back yet again to Mount Sinai? Well, you know, I, uh, the word that I think we revile against 
uh, is the one that comes up here. Gather the people to me, said the Lord God, that I may let them hear my words so that they may learn to fear me all the days mm. that they live on the earth and that they may teach their children so. We don't like this word fear. Uh, and, and, and there's going to be another word that comes up here that we don't like associating with God, right? Jealousy. But this fear, mm. we're like, oh, I don't want a God that I'm afraid of. And that's not really the, it's not a one-to-one. It is this understanding that God is to be feared because he is so much bigger than us, so much more powerful, more wise, more incredible than we can even wrap our minds around. And, and I try to put myself at the foot of that mountain with the, with the ground shaking and the smoke and the fire and the lightning. And, and it would be thrilling. It would be exhilarating. And it would also be terrifying to be in the presence of the living God. And that's that kind of fear, not, not me and spiders, right, where I want to run away, but this awesome, awe-filled reverence uh, for, for who God is and, and mm. all that he is. So this word fear, as used in the Old Testament, really should bring to mind the idea of, of being in the presence of the living God, of being in, in the presence of a congregation, of, of worshiping him. But more importantly, of receiving from him his gifts and understanding that, that we could do nothing uh, on our own accord. We can do nothing to repay uh, for the gifts that he gives. This is bigger than any of us could ever hope to grasp. Well, and I think the importance of, of holding on to this language of fearing God is that it, it is a reminder of one of the very foundational realities of the scriptures, that God is God and I am not. And, and to learn to fear God, I think it, that's the that's the reality behind it. He's God, I'm not, and that means that I am entirely dependent upon him. And, yeah. and as, a, as a Christian, that forces me to look at his love for me. But I mean, I, that's I, we need to hold on to that language of fear so that we don't. I've, I've heard it put this way: so we don't domesticate domesticate God, or somehow make him less than God. That language of fear, I think, really helps us to to live in that tension of the fact that he's God. I'm not. He could do whatever he wants, yet he chooses to love me. And that's where like this is just a wonderful mystery. And we need to hold on to that word fearing God, even if we chafe against it. Well, and even also to remember, he is God. I am not nor is anything else in the created world. Yeah. Nothing around us. Do not fear those who can kill the body, right? Fear the yeah. one who can kill the body and the soul, and that is the one true God. Well, that's right. And then and I love that. I'm glad you brought that passage up from, from Matthew chapter 10, because that's, that's one of my go-tos when I think about the fear of God. Because on the one hand, you have Jesus saying, fear God. I mean, it's very clear, and, and it is a rather, reading it right there, there is a, a a scariness to mm -hmm. it. And yet just a few verses later, he says, don't be afraid. Fear not because, because your father loves you and you're worth more than many sparrows. He knows how many sparrows there are. He's not going to let them fall without his knowledge. And he loves you more than that. So don't be afraid. I mean, in the context of just three verses, fear God, don't be afraid. And I, I think it, Jesus, of course he does, holds on to that tension so well for us. I, I think those verses in Matthew 10 really help us with the fear of God and, and properly holding on to that language. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. So don't be afraid. Here, this is how, don't be afraid to fear God, right? That, yeah. That's it. 
still, yeah. That's the takeaway for today. Amen. (laughs) Don't be afraid to fear God and to teach your children to do so. This is what the Lord wants passed on. As as you said, the description that Moses gives of of Mount Horeb there, it's quite, it is frightening. I mean, burned with fire to the heart of heaven. What wonderful language from Moses there. Wrapped in darkness, cloud and gloom. And, And again, here we come back to, though, the voice, the word of God. This was the central thing there at Mount Sinai. And, and Moses says that's where he declared his covenant, particularly the Ten Commandments. Again, this, this reminder of, of what happened at Mount Sinai, a, a bit of a preview, I think, of the rest of Moses' sermon in, in those verses uh, through about 15 or so. Amen. And, and you know, it's, it's this, um, again, it returns back. He closes it again. It's this mantra that, to use a pagan word, right? This mantra he comes back to is this teaching, right? And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and rules, which, you know, law and gospel, all these things, yeah. that, uh, that you might do them in the land that you're going over to possess. Mm, Place that's right. where so, our Messiah will be incarnate. And from where right. then the saving gospel of Christ is proclaimed. First in Jerusalem and then to all corners of the earth. And then even from the, 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 the studios at, at KFUO Radio in St. Louis, Missouri, right? <laughs> God be praised. Thank Christ God. for you anytime, anywhere. That's right. That's right. So from there, then, Moses returns again to warning, to application of what he's been been teaching. He says, watch yourselves very carefully. Since you saw no form on the day that the Lord spoke to you at Horeb, there's that historical reality again. Now Moses is going to apply it. And here we get to talk particularly about the danger of idolatry. What, is, what does Moses say about bewaring idolatry in these verses? Really, it comes back to what we were just saying. You know, anything that the Lord God has created is not God. And so nothing that you can see in this world and touch and feel, these things are not God. And yet, (laughs) and yet God loves to change the, not change, he loves to expand it. Because what is it that we have on on our crosses in, in our churches, but the body of Christ, a human being. And so God says, do not make a, a, a carven, Im- a graven image of anything that you see in this created world because it is not God. And then God is incarnate and he takes upon himself our sinful flesh, joining his creation, you know, that form of man, the form of a slave. And now we have the image of God. And so now we have the body of Christ on the cross where our salvation was won, where the, the penalty was, was wrought on God himself for our sins uh, and where our salvation is won. And so you know, we, we read this and, and, and Moses goes through you know, of any figure, male or female, any animal, any winged bird, anything that creeps on the ground, any of the fish in the sea. And, and because we are so easily led astray as, as fallen human beings, you know, this is a somewhat exhaustive list. Don't make a carbon image of anything on the earth and don't even look up at the stars and start to, you know, see the vastness and the majesty of the heavens. Because again, this is about a reflection of the one who made that. And then with Christ Jesus, we have the, the infinite God joining his creation in, in this little, in this little, little uh, you know, embryo in the womb. 
growing and being born and growing and 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 then as a man you know teaching and suffering and dying for us and now we have the image of god that we can behold right and that that that's the key to for example why we do have crucifixes in our churches something very big has happened between Deuteronomy 4 and the year 2022 yeah i did just and kind of fast forward a lot there that's right <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, when Moses speaks these words, the Lord speaks these. The Lord speaks these words through Moses. It, w- given the fact that he's just brought up what happened at Mount Sinai, it seems that the golden calf is probably looming large in in the memory of the people here. Like, okay, remember how you you messed up with the golden calf at Mount Sinai? Don't do that again. And here's the here's the prescription so that you don't. But when when the Lord comes in the flesh and he tells you this is the image of the invisible God, to use Paul's language, then that that changes the way that we understand this. And so because God has become a man, right? I mean, that's he has become a man. When you think of God, when you want to see God, where do you look? You look at Christ. And and so that's that's what's, if I can put it that way, changed, or that's the difference between the context of Deuteronomy 24 and everything that comes after the, if I can say the second article of the apostles creed, mm-hmm. what Jesus does in his incarnation and beyond. Well, and even there, God has then given us himself, the yeah. image of himself to worship now, uh, because God had not given any of these created things to be worshiped, but he gives himself uh, now to be worshiped. You know, yeah, I, I that's, think that, of the, that's a good way of putting it of the, the fiery serpents, you know, and we, and we had the staff and it was not the staff that did it. That was looking in faith to what God has given for salvation. And, and it really was pointing to the tree on which our Lord hung, that we look to him on the cross uh, and we live. Yeah. Yeah. Even, so, even and, God and I given us something to, to, to craft, but not in idolatry, but in faith. That's right. That's right. Now, I, and one of the things I, I love about the way that that these words concerning idolatry move from both from look around what you see sort of at eye level and, and maybe below your eye level, you get the, the fish and the, the water, what's there too. So don't don't create any idols out of those things. Don't create idols of, of what you see up above you either, the moon, the stars, all the hosts of heaven. And I, I, the way that, that Moses speaks here these are things that the Lord your God has allotted to all the peoples under the whole heaven. I'm reminded of what Jesus says about that, that the Lord makes the sun to shine, the sun to rise on the, the just and the unjust. So those aren't the, the sun up there. That's not God because God put that there for all peoples. You want to know who the true God is? Well, that's verse 20. The true God is the one who brought you out of Egypt and made you his inheritance. That's the one you are to worship. None of these idols. And, you know, I think that moving into 21, we, we have a glimpse into the way in which God's, uh, God's saving activity comes. Because, you know, the Lord worked through, through this speech, this declaration. Uh, you know, Moses saying, you know, let my people go, thus saith the Lord. Right? And he brings plagues and plagues, and, and then the people are, are brought out. Not by, not by violence, but by speaking. 
And it's not as if Moses you know, went and, and uh, waved the staff around and, and they all had a bunch of swords and they fought and killed all the Egyptians and they took over the land and said, ha ha, we won. It was simply speaking, let my people go, do the right thing, let my people go. And then it was <laughs> Moses that got in trouble because it was not the word of God on which he relied. This takes us back to that incident in Numbers where the people of Israel were thirsty and there was nothing to drink. And so the Lord said to Moses, you know, go and speak to that rock and it will pour forth the water. But that's not what Moses did. He had a little theatrical flourish, or maybe he was just incredibly frustrated with the people of Israel and he whacked the rock, not just once, but twice. And true enough though, the Lord brought forth water. But then he had to set Moses aside and said, you did not have faith in my word of promise, but you had to add to it. Right? So even there, Moses was, was in a sense adding to God's word by adding something that God hadn't commanded. Um, and God still was faithful, even though in this case Moses had been faithless uh, to preserve the people. But Moses here is, is making that confession. You know, I'm not going to get to go there uh, because you know, I had, I had uh, done what I'm admonishing you not to do. <laughs> I, I added to it. I took away from it. You know, but the Lord is still preserving us and 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 caring for us. And you know, mm-hmm. right before this speech, he gets to see that lamb. Um, you know, as, as as you know, he's been begging the Lord to do, and the Lord says, you know, okay, yeah, don't talk about it again. You get to see it. <laughs> That's enough for <from> you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Moses has, has brought up the fact that he's not going to get to go into this promised land more than once in the book of Deuteronomy. And I, I think the way that you described it here is, is exactly what's going on, that he's he's using himself as the the warning. Remember what happened to me. Remember why I'm not going into the promised land. Don't, don't do the same thing that I did. Don't, and again, to use the language of this, don't add to, don't subtract from God's word. Stay faithful to it. And, and the reason he gives in verse 24, which is the last verse we've got for today, you, you said this is another word that maybe bothers us, that the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. What's being said here? Oh, my goodness. You know, we, we, we think of jealousy and we think of it as being this, this terrible sort of social sin nowadays. Oh, don't be jealous, right? And, and yet... The Hebrew word that's used here for, for jealous, um, you know, kana, is only used of God. This word jealousy in the Old Testament is only used of God. This is a unique and special thing. But we've also been talking about this relationship of God and his people, and it's, and it's a fidelity. It is, it is a marriage, right? And so in the same way, with a, with a husband and wife, they are right to be jealous for each other's affections. Uh, they are right to want and and desire the affections that have been promised to and reserved for only their spouse. And so as God has declared and made us his people, and he is our God, you know, we should be jealous for all the love that he gives because he has promised it to us. His affections are given freely to us. But in the same way, in this relationship, that God is right to be, to be jealous for all of our love and all of our attention, because it has been promised to and, and, and is rightly his in this relationship. God brokers no 
no competitors uh, for for his his position. I mean, he is the one true God. Uh, there is no other living God, and and anything else that that makes such a promise uh, is a liar, and uh, and is false. There is so just as we said, do not be afraid to fear God. Well, do not um, do not let your love for God be misdirected to any created thing. Yeah, yeah. So as as we conclude this morning, Pastor Gribbon, we have about two minutes here. Help us to, to wrap things up on this section of, of Moses' sermon, a lot of history, a lot of application. What should we take from it as Christians? That God's Word, which created all things, which sustains all things, God's word that then calls us out of darkness, out of our slavery to sin, and liberates us into his love, uh, we do well to listen and to let the word have its way with us. And then to rejoice that God has spoken to us. The one who created all things has taken time out of his busy day, right? (laughs) To, To look on you with his favor and with his love and to redeem you from from the the places of of despair of distrust of misery where we may have been whatever fiery furnace we are in to know that the lord is with us nearer to us than we may ever really know um, because he is he has given us his word he's given us his promise he's given us his spirit and and in that we joyfully then proclaim to everyone else in whatever fiery furnace they're in uh, the love of God that we know in Christ Jesus and the wisdom of God that helps to lead us in, in the way of righteousness, but lead us away from, from the things that may injure and hurt and indeed will kill. Pastor Doug Gribbenau is Mission Advocate for KFUO Radio in St. Louis, Missouri, helping us today with Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 1 to 24. Pastor Gribbenau, thanks for being our guest today. Well, it was my pleasure. Thank you very much, brother. God's Word is our defining reality. He speaks, we listen. He gives by His Word. Take heart, dear Christians. This Word is your life. Receive it, believe it, hold on to it. I am your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. If you have any questions about Deuteronomy chapter 4, send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org or use the open mic feature on the app to send a message to us. We always love to hear from you. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow.